Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Got it. That makes sense. So what should sellers consider before expanding internationally? So for example, should we be at a certain point of revenue in our primary market before we consider expanding? What are those main consideration factors before expanding in your first uh, marketplace outside of your initial primary one? Yeah, great question. So um, for me, I started selling in Canada. I was probably six months into selling in the U.S. Now, I don't think if you just launched in the U.S. a week later, maybe start looking at Canada. Spend your time because as we talked about, you know, there's a there's a cost benefit of your time. So, you know, if you still can, you know, find new keywords or, you know, do a little bit more SEO on your listings to, you know, really optimize it, I would spend time there. But if you're starting to get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm finding maybe these long tail keywords that might get me another, you know, couple sales a month, you know, how much time are you spending investing on your US listing? Now, if you have the money and the funds to purchase more products and launch new products in the US, I would say keep doing that. But if you're at somewhat of a ceiling where it's like, okay, I can't just keep spending more money on inventory, so I need to kind of widen the net. So if you're at a point where it's like, okay, now it makes sense to widen the net, then I would start looking at Canada. And then once you figured out Canada, then I would start looking at to the UK. Uh, but I would definitely, the US is the bread and butter. Sometimes people will like send me messages like, hey, the US just looks super competitive. Should I go into Canada first? No, go into the US first, because that's where you're gonna get the most sales. Got it, that makes sense. And what do you think are the biggest costs considerations for expanding? What costs the most when you expand? Yeah, great question. And I say it's two things. One, it's um, going to be, you know, shipping is going to be you know, definitely a barrier when you're going into it. And then some of the cost is the things you just don't know. And so some of the things are like, you know, like we just talked about, like, you know, what's at the border? What does that mean? How does that relate? Am I able to get credit at some of that back later on? Which in a lot of countries, you actually can if you're registered for whatever that tax is. Um, and then some of it is just, you know, there's where do you go to get the advice? And so, you know, Amazon has some great resources that are very kind of high level. And then when you really start getting into the nitty gritty of it, like if you really wanted to know, like, how does this affect things? I would talk to someone who you know, who's already doing it because that's where it gets to be like, okay, what does all this information mean? And how does it relate to me? Because Amazon doesn't want to get too deep in the weeds, especially when it comes to things like tax compliance. Uh, and then another thing is, you know, who are you seeking the advice from? One thing I see a mistake some sellers make is they'll go to their CPA who does their income taxes and say, I have this question about, you know, doing value-added tax or Canadian GST. And the person says, I don't do that. And so they say, oh, I guess I can't do that. Well, just as you wouldn't say to your dentist, hey, can you help me get a new prescription on glasses? Well, that's not what they do. They're both called doctors, but you'd go to your optometrist about you know, your eyes and you'd go to your dentist about your teeth. And so just realize just because you know, two different people do taxes, just understand what it is they do and are they qualified or do they understand the type of taxes you're doing? Because when you go to another marketplace, just another little tidbit, the profits are going to go to your home country. So if you live in the US, Uncle Sam wants the... Uh, the uh, 
the pro the taxes off of the profits for your income tax. And then generally speaking, whatever the local jurisdiction is, is going to want the, whatever their sales tax is called. Got it. That is such, it's such an important um, tip that you just gave there. And I think, again, another tip that is going to help people simplify this path. <laughs> so thank yeah. you for that. All right. Um, what about fulfillment considerations? So mm -hmm. are you just doing FBA in all of these other countries or is there some level of merchant fulfilled or, you know, because obviously Amazon has inventory restrictions, all kinds of new ones popping up everywhere. So what are those fulfillment um, kind of logistics considerations in other countries that we should be aware of? That's such a very good point because it almost seems like daily. Like sometimes I'm afraid to go into manage inventory and create a shipment because it's like one day I'm, you know, a thousand units over and the next day I have 4,000 I can send it. And it's like, I don't even know where they're coming up with this math and they're constantly changing it. And uh, in every marketplace, they're coming up with different rules. And so one of the things I personally think is because they keep changing the rules is another reason why you should go into other marketplaces. Uh, and so I would have said, just send everything into FBA and figure it out there. But I'm starting to create more relationships with uh, third-party warehouses just because there is that dynamic of Amazon keeps changing the rules. And, you know, like I've got uh, inventory literally on a train from China to the UK right now, which believe it or not, there's a train that goes from point A to point B there. Um, and I'm going to have to figure out what to do with it because now I'm over my allotted inventory, even though my IPI score is great. And I, before could have sent in thousands more units, but I'm going to have to figure it out. And so just when those little things come up, you know, I think now having a relationship, even if you're not using them, but having a relationship with a third party warehouse is going to be more important. Amazon's laughing all the way to the bank with, uh, with those inventory limits, right? <laughs> what, what, I, sometimes I don't understand, like, do they not have space for this? Well, that, yeah, I, I think that's true. I think the, the, I mean, really looking at the, the wider picture, it's that, you know, because of COVID, so many more businesses got onto Amazon in such a short mm -hmm. period of time, they just could not handle it. So I'm sure they're expanding, but yeah, it's insane. I mean, like, a, you know, that, that's why I made that joke in terms of like, you know, Amazon, probably the biggest beneficiary of COVID-19 was Amazon, right? I mean, oh, without buying, a doubt. People were buying masks and I mean, whatever it was, was coming from Amazon. They were afraid to go to the grocery store. It was coming from mm -hmm. Amazon or from Whole Foods, oh, yeah. or, you know, like, so yeah. So, so, so the evil one is, uh, is now laughing all the way to the bank. And, and people like that convenience. And, you know, it's another reason to sell internationally because, People in other countries also like that same convenience that they get. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we were, we were uh, uh, on a previous episode, we were discussing that, how that was one of the biggest things we noticed when we went to the UK and, and to, uh, uh, we went to the UK, um, we went to Italy, France. In, in those countries, people don't realize it's way different than the US in terms of commerce, right? There's very few mm -hmm. stores. The selection is minimal. I mean, absolutely minimal. Most things close on Sundays. My wife broke her um, her curling iron, I think it was, or straightener, and nothing was open. We had to go to a train, like one of their main train depots in the UK that had like a little corner store that had one, you know, because of course my wife can't go out with her hair looking pretty. Um, 
So, so that was a, a trek over to there, but it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm sure it's changing, but that was about 10 or no, 12 years ago now, something like that. Uh, it's changing, but yeah, it's, it's completely different there. So I could see why they love that convenience to the doorstep. Well, and you think about it, here in the U S as we're recording this, things are opening up a lot more than they were even just a couple months ago in a lot of States. Whereas, you know, as we record this, you know, I was just talking to somebody yesterday and it was in the UK and he was talking about how they just extended their lockdown more. and Canada. And I know in Ontario, they have a very strict lockdown. It's some of the challenges they're having in Amazon right now is because they can only have so many workers in the warehouse. And so, you know, the rest of the world isn't as open as the U.S. is. And so what that means is there's more demand because if you can't leave your house or there's restrictions on going to the store, you're more likely to just say, well, you just pull out the phone and press a couple buttons and like magic things just show up on my doorstep. And so, you know, people like that convenience as opposed to, you know, your example, we're like, okay, there might be a train station down the street with a little corner store. And, you know, it's probably not going to have the selection of the curling iron I want, but, you know, or I can just magically have it appear, you know, <laughs> pretty, right. pretty soon yeah. with Prime. Exactly. So, um, you know, one of the things that is a little bit different and, uh, you know, would love if you can get some insight here is, um, you know, what type of products might be a little bit harder to sell, you know, in, in the UK, in the Eurozone, you know, cause it, like here, if you're selling a pesticide, it's a major hassle or baby mm. formula, or, you know, what are some of the kind of the, uh, the things to think about, uh, depending on the type of product that you sell? Yeah. It, one of the things I tend to use this example of, I like to oversimplify it because I think people in our minds, we create this border, which is more complicated than it really is. Uh, but to your point, there are still things you have to consider. In most countries, you find especially anything that's ingestible or makes any sort of claims that, or even if it doesn't make claims and it could be related to health, uh, you are probably going to have some heightened responsibilities um, Amazon is now being forced to have people in Europe or especially in the UK, uh, have what's called a responsible person, which is basically a company in the UK. If you have a product that might be CE related, meaning it's an electrical, um, device and has a CE certification. Um, and just like with pesticides was in the U S a couple of years ago, we're like, wait, I'm selling shirts and you're requiring me to get this pesticide thing. Um, people are starting to see some of those type of, wait, uh, there's nothing electrical about my product, but you want me to have a responsible person. So just know there are some of those things, but to keep it very simple, I tend to use the philosophy of if others are selling it, it can be done. And so one thing you could always do is look at the labels. Do the labels look the same? Especially if you're talking about something in the supplements category, supplements categories are going to be a little bit more challenging because again, it's ingestible. Um, but if it's not ingestible, if it's, uh, I use this example because it's always in front of me, a dry erase marker. It's probably going to be fine everywhere. Most products that people private label are going to be fine from one marketplace to the other. It's when you start getting, it's whether it's going to be ingested by a person or even a pet. Um, you may want to start looking into that. Uh, there's usually a host of services that will help you jump through hoops with the Health Canada's or, you know, the, you know, UK government or whoever it is that oversees it. Um, Amazon will usually have some resources that again are high level might point you in the right direction, but um, it's definitely one of those things where if you even think, Hey, maybe I should look into my product first, look into it, see what 
look at similar listings and see what disclaimers they're putting on it. What do their labels look like? And that could put you in a good start as to uh, what you might need. Awesome. So the other thing that I, I love to, uh, you know, talk about in terms of uh, selling on other marketplaces is like logistics, right? So like mm -hmm. logistics and costs, you know, majority of people still getting their products from China, which, you know, if, if the world continues the way it is, that might not be the case for very long. All these people sure. diversifying right now, Amy and I've been talking about this for, you know, since the trouble with China started uh, the, the tariffs and things like that, you know, the, the people who, who diversify now are going to be the ones who win once that, that uh, relationship continues to sour. But mm. uh, you know, in terms of today, people are still doing China, you know, what should they expect uh, differently in terms of logistics or shipping costs, say like going from China to the UK? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I tend to find is it tends to be a little bit more expensive, um, you know, per kilo per pound. I don't even want to say numbers because they're just going to be so off the top of my head, uh, but it tends to be a little bit more expensive. Um, but it's, and some of it is because you're sending in smaller quantities. You know, oftentimes, if you send in more, you get a little bit more of a bulk discount. So if you're going to do 10, 20% of the sales, you're probably sending 10, 20% of the amount of inventory. So that could have an effect on it. Um, but the way I look at it is, you know, if your margins are the same or even close to the same or somewhat bet, somewhat where you're still putting a dollar in an inventory and getting more than a dollar out on the other end, you know, is it worth your while? And for most folks, I would challenge that in a lot of cases, it really is worth the while to do an international marketplace, especially compared to, you know, trying to figure out eBay. Now, maybe you have a product that really is going to do great on eBay. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things to keep in mind. And with logistics, you know, going back to the whole PPC thing, I don't remember if I said this before, you know, if you have, let's say, 10, 20% of the sales, you probably have 10, 20% of the impressions, which means you could probably get away with, you know, optimizing it 10, 20% of the amount of time, what you do in the U S. So that's another savings on some of the logistics because you don't usually have to put in the same amount of work. So you, you may go to another marketplace, but you, some people may find they check their PPC, you know, a handful of times a year just to make sure it hasn't gotten out of hand. Yeah, don't do that, folks. Try to check at least, you know, once a week at a minimum is my suggestion. Um, I mean, I like in a place like Canada. No, but, no, no, for sure. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Yeah, no, I get it. But I, yeah, um, I, I know I forget to go check my other marketplaces on PPC for sure. But uh, yeah, try to do it every week, folks. On Tuesday is my recommendation because you get the previous week's data kind of all caught up by then. Um, what should people expect uh, when they're selling in, in, you know, a place like Canada or, I mean, Canada is probably going to be pretty similar to the U.S., but uh, like the U.K. or, say, Germany, um, you know, how should uh, people expect the shoppers there to uh, respond differently or act differently, shop differently? What are, are there any major differences in the uh, expectations of, the, of, of what kind of shoppers you're going to deal with? Yeah, great question. I would say, generally speaking, in Canada, um, they're very nice. Uh, they tend to be very polite, even when they're upset. Like if they're sending you messages, they tend to be just worded a lot more politely than we would in the U.S. Uh, sometimes people in the U.S. are like, oh, you should never stereotype people. But like in Canada, it's like a pride thing. Like, and I've had people actually send me messages like, thanks for pointing out the fact that we're really nice here in Canada. Because um, they take a lot of pride in that. And so uh, that's one thing. In the U.K., they tend to be, you know, very friendly. It's a little bit more businessy in the way that they communicate. 
Uh, everything tends to be a lot more just bureaucratic in general with how things operate. Uh, the words they are going to use in the UK, kind of like to Amy's point earlier, are going to be a little bit different. So you might have to do a little bit different keywords, although you can always start with the same ones you have. Oh, bollocks. But, yeah, exactly, exactly. Just know <laughs> something, you, you may just, especially if you have some big keywords, you might just want to uh, look them up on Amazon just to make sure <laughs> it's not something that happens to be offensive, which, you know, every now and then there's going to be a, um, like the, uh, uh, somebody told me one time, like, you know, here in the US, we talk about fanny packs, uh, whereas that has a whole different connotation in the UK, although I think they're probably more sensitive to or more uh, open to US ver versions of uh, word usages than we are vice versa, probably. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I think that our our, uh, our world domination in terms of of media, right? Entertainment, everybody watches exactly. movies and things. So yeah, I think they they definitely understand that a little better. Uh, uh, a word of warning: never you scream out after a meal in Australia that you're stuffed. Just FYI, don't do that. Um, oh, okay, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was a flight attendant. She has a really funny story about that. But um, going back to uh, the the subject at hand. Um, okay. <laughs> Amy knows I, I digress a lot. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, and generally my, you know, I, I have potty, you know, potty humor. So pr pretty badly. So I, I have to try to keep myself in check and I apologize to the audience for that. Uh, never escaped 12 years old in terms of my, um, my comedy. So, uh, <laughs> sourcing locally, um, you know, Germany, a lot of people don't realize Germany is a major manufacturing hub. Um, mm -hmm. you know, some of these other countries are starting to just like the U S has gone back to trying to bring a little bit more manufacturing local because they kind of see the writing on the wall in terms of China, uh, you know, with, with being kind of the, the juggernaut in terms of, I think it's like, I think I read it was like 90 or 95% of manufacturing in the world happens in China, which is an insane number. Um, oh, wow. you know, it, it, do you do any sourcing uh, locally in terms of like, you know, if you're selling in the UK, do you do any sort, try to source in the UK or Germany, uh, et cetera? And if so, any tips on how people can, can go about doing that? Yeah, generally I don't. And I, I generally don't see that with much with private label sellers. Oftentimes wholesale sellers will utilize because wholesale is a whole different ball game. I'm not sure how familiar your audience is with the wholesale model, but it's all about getting counts. And so sometimes to go to a company or a brand and say, hey, I want to sell on Amazon in the US. So they're like, I get calls for this all the time. But if you say, hey, I can get you into Europe, um, that might be beneficial. And then the flip side too, there's not as much competition to get you know distributors and suppliers in Europe as there would be necessarily in the US. So oftentimes, um, you know, wholesale sellers might leverage local suppliers a little bit more than uh, private label sellers do, but not to say you couldn't. Yeah, absolutely. There, I, I need to dig it up, uh, but there is a website that I found in Germany that's really cool. And, and they also do kind of like a uh, sourcing fair every year, similar to what they do mm. in China. Um, I, I can't remember the name right now, but anyway, I never sourced there. and I, I But I, I, I kept reminding myself I need to come back to it uh, because it was pretty interesting. Uh, I forget who even pointed, pointed me in that direction. But anyway, I'll mm -hmm. try to get it to the show notes. Um, all right. So the other thing that we kind of like to wrap up with is 
some kind of, you know, personal uh, uh, growth in terms of, you know, are there any podcasts, movies, books, anything that you've done along your journey that you feel like has really pushed you forward uh, to get to, you know, some business goal or some, you know, profit goal, something like that. Anything you can share with the audience in terms of, you know, moving, stepping back from the Amazon world, just kind of, you know, personal growth or, you know, epiphanies, anything like that. Yeah. Great question. And, um, you know, as far as, let's see, uh, books and things like that, I would say the compound effect by Darren Hardy was uh, pretty beneficial early on about, you know, just small steps over time to make, you know, huge impacts, uh, that, you know, far too often we just want the, you know, overnight success, the overnights, you know, weight loss, the overnight business, whatever, you know, most results don't come from, one action that come from a series of actions over time is basically my butchered synopsis of that book. Um, but then as far as uh, other ones, Founder, actually, if you ever saw the movie Founder about uh, Ray Kroc, who's the, uh, I wouldn't even call him the founder of McDonald's. He's just <laughs> the guy that, you know, basically took it off uh, into what it is today. Um, you know, that was a really interesting one, uh, probably because my first job in high school was at McDonald's. Um, so it was interesting to see kind of the, the back end of it, but like, you know, the systems he created and just the mindsets to just keep pushing forward and what he did with that company, um, was, I thought really influential and, uh, you know, as far as like mindset and stuff like that, I think some of it was like initially it was the mindset of getting out of the head of an employee and going back to my original story of, you know, 15 years before I got started in e-commerce, um, I bought products to sell and then I didn't do anything with it. Whereas if I literally just said, I'm going to figure it out, you know, there's, there wasn't podcasts and YouTube and all these other things we have today, but there still was you know, articles, there were message boards, there were places I could have gone to figure out the information. And I would have figured it out best if I had actually jumped in the pool, so to speak, and actually started swimming. But because I just, you know, walked around the outside of the pool, and, you know, didn't even bother asking Michael Phelps or whoever it was at the time to, you know, how do I jump in the pool and start swimming? I just did nothing. And so I lost 15 years of what I could have done, and I'd be at a whole bigger spot than I am today if I had actually done something with those. And so we can't go back and uh, change up the past, but what we do moving forward is where we are. So just that mindset of constantly, where can I move forward? What are those little things I could do each day? And what are the systems I can put into my business to cast a wider net to make more sales, whatever my result call is? Yeah, absolutely. One of my big things is, you know, looking back was the fact that, you know, I didn't take bigger risks when I was younger, right? Once you have mm. family, I, I have three children now. So I have to be a little more reserved in terms of, you know, my, my risk tolerance. But, you know, back in the day, you know, when I first started selling on Amazon even was, was right before our first child. If I would have gone, you know, quit my day job and gone in full blast, I would have, you know, instead of being a, a million dollar seller, I'd be a probably, you know, hundred million dollar seller, you know, if I really got into, you know, scaling and things like that. So uh, definitely, especially if you're not to say that the old dogs can't jump into the game, but if you're younger and you, you have a, a, you know, the ability to not only have high risk tolerance, but, you know, back then I was working, you know, I'd work my day job and then work all night work, you know, field on Red Bull. Um, you know, if you get focused and, you know, like you said, nowadays, it's a lot easier because you have some guidance from people putting out content that you can actually learn from, you know, I always tell people learn from our mistakes. So you don't have mm -hmm. to make those. We've already done it. Uh, so I love 
love that. And, you know, that's one of the main reasons we asked this question, because I feel like people really learn a lot from the failures of others, right? I think that's a huge part uh, of, of the bonus of listening to a podcast like this. So thank you so much for being on, Kevin. Let people know um, how they can get in touch with you, but, you know, uh, let them know how they can listen to the podcast, all that good stuff. Yeah, awesome. So I do have the Maximizing E-Commerce podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, Amy has been a guest, which has uh, been uh, had a lot of great feedback from. Uh, Andy will be a guest in the future. We'll make sure of that. Um, as well as uh, I feel free. Actually, I'll just say this. Feel free to email me, Kevin at MaximizingEcommerce.com. Sometimes people are like, you know, why would you give your email address or whatever? Like the reality is most people don't follow through on that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I got a question, just reach out to me. Just reach out to me. And I didn't come up with this phrase, but if you email me a thoughtful question, I'll give you a thoughtful response. And so we'll do that. And then if you're like, okay, I want to go internationally. I want to learn more about this. You can go to internationalchecklist.com, just like it sounds. And you can download a checklist where I've got the steps of how you could create your own international selling empire. Love it. Awesome, Kevin. Thanks so much. Yeah, I give my email address like like crazy too, because exactly what you said, most people won't follow through. And, uh, you know, my I'm the same thing. My only request is that like, hey, if you email me, make sure that it's it's clear, concise and quick, because, you know, I get h- literally hundreds of emails and LinkedIn messages and all this stuff mm-hmm. that I, you know, I try to sift through it. I, you know, sometimes I'll go back through and it'll be like two weeks later and I'll have to apologize. Like, so sorry, I'm getting back to you this late, but I, you know, I get so much mm-hmm. daily. So yeah, it's short and sweet, you know, like uh, get, get to the nitty gritty, you know, we, we won't think you're rude if you don't, you know, give us the whole backstory. Uh, so I, I love that. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for being here and uh, everybody who's, uh, who joins us live in, in the uh, Zoom meeting. We really appreciate you guys. We had kind of a, uh, uh, a, a small group today, but ne- we're looking to you guys next week to do better. Um, and I think, Amy, we're, we're, we're bastardizing our, uh, our audience by, by broadcasting live. So we might have to, we might have to you know, take that back a little bit again to uh, make sure we get, we get those people in the Zoom meeting. But uh, thank you, everybody who is watching on, on, on live. If not, join us, uh, sellaroundtable.com slash live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. If you want to be in the meeting, uh, if not, you can subscribe to the podcast, sellaroundtable.com. We're on all the major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, subscribe. Otherwise, I'm going to send Amy to your house. She's going to be angry. She might spill coffee on your doorstep, yell at your dog. So thank you so much, guys, for being here. We'll see you next time on the Seller Roundtable. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.